0: Welcome to Marvelous Disney, the podcast that discusses the most recent doings at one of our dynamic divisions of the Walt Disney Company, which is, of course, Marvel Entertainment. This is entertainment writer Jim Hill, and my co-host, the amazing Aaron Adams, and I are recording this week's episode on Monday, September 7th, 2020, which is the last day of this year's long Labor Day weekend. And... Have you been laboring? Because remember, on the last show, you mentioned that on Friday, you're going to be picking up your copy of Square Enix's Marvel Avengers RPG.
1: Depends on how you look through the lens, Jim. If you look at it through my wife's lens, she says mm-hmm. I'm playing. Mm-hmm. I'm just playing a video game. But I consider it a tax write-off because I had to buy it for work. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's uh, uh, me laboring. I am laboring today
0: as I Avenger. Okay, and I've been reading the reviews and evidently people really enjoy how Kamala Khan is kind of used as the window character for this. Yeah. Yeah, she's she's
1: actually a treat to play. The girl that does the voice acting for her is phenomenal. She brings the character to life. It's really a mixed bag because it, the game is called avengers Mm -hmm. and you play as kamala from the get-go i mean first you've got your introductory mission where you get to play as each of the avengers for like three minutes and then they take them away and -hmm. then you play as kamala for a good chunk of the rest of the game and then you come across an avenger Mm -hmm. and then you get to play as kamala and that second avenger and then you find another avenger and you have to play a mission as that avenger and one by one, you encounter an Avenger, and then you have to play it as that Avenger, but you really don't get that assemble thing until you get to the last level. And then they basically take what could be three levels and mash it into one ginormous level and say, all right, have at it. And the thing is, there are some games where the campaign, like Skyrim, for example, is a, a, a name that gamers will know. Mm-hmm. And when I say Skyrim the thing that r- I'm reminded of is about a hundred and forty hours of gameplay without ever repeating a mission Like wow. I spent months and months and months in that world mm-hmm. So deeply submersed it was like lightning sand from the princess bride. You're just neck deep in it like n- no time mm-hmm. Avengers I had beaten the entire campaign in about 10 to 13 hours so dramatic difference in scale It's not an open world. And here's the thing that, you know, that I start to get aggravated by is they give you a a global map. Mm -hmm. So you get ready to avenge, and you got a a mission to go on, and you got to go to the global map. And there are, I believe, four missions in the United States and one in Siberia, and that is it. The globe is reminding me how empty it is. Mm -hmm. Every time I look at that globe, it's like, boy, I wish there was more here. And there is the promise of DLC in the future, But when you plunk down $60 on a video game, you don't want the promise of more later on in the future for more money. Mm -hmm. You would rather be full at that that meal that you sat down to instead of going, oh, no, wait, if you just order three more courses tomorrow and the next day, you'll be full, I promise. Uh, is is not a real good way to go about it. So there are some some traditional video game problems. For example, any Dungeons and Dragons sort of game has the mission where you go to the bar and you kill rats in the cellar for like a, a one gold piece per rat. Yeah, I mean, that's usually how it starts off in the training level, right? So you kind of have that issue of here's how you run, here's how you grab onto a thing, here's how you run and grab onto a thing and then swing from that thing. And It seems like, you know, and then you run into a new character and they're going, well, here's how Tony Stark runs and then grabs onto a thing. Now, here's how Thor runs it. So it's always like every single mission is a new introductory level mission to train you how to use a superhero. But their basic moves are all the same. Weak hit, strong hit, dodge, jump. Right, so I mean, there's not a lot of difference. It's it's later on in the game when it, now here's the cool part. Even though I beat the game in 13 hours, there's still a wealth of content I have not even scratched the surface of, and these are what are known as end game missions, and not end game from Avengers End Game. It's this is an older gaming concept of when you finish the main campaign single player, there is more uh, missions on offer that you usually end up tackling with a friend in a cooperative mode. And so this is now what I'm looking forward to is, during the main campaign, there are not too many opportunities. I mean, yeah, you you can bring in another person pretty much whenever, but there's also a single player version where I have to play this mission all by myself, no matter what. So my friends can't play. So now that I've gotten past all of that and I've seen the credits roll, I can now play with my friends on all of these missions and have a good time doing that. So it's got some basic faults of any basic video game, but it's got a lot of cool stuff in it that's very enjoyable. And I got to tell you, when I was playing, my friend and I were exchanging comments after a round of gameplay and I was playing as Hulk. And I said, you know, it was really cool to see Iron Man just come zooming in at Mach 1 and blasting with lasers and shooting rockets and then zooms away. And he's like, yeah, it was great for me as Iron Man because I'm getting ready to blast this fool out of the sky. And then all of a sudden this rock, this boulder comes hurtling across the screen that you just threw and knocks this dude clear off my screen. And I just hear a Hulk roar and a green thing jump off in the distance. And so i mean we really had a great time playing it together is it worth the 60 bucks it's a tough call are you an avengers fan if you're an avengers fan there's enough cool stuff in there that it's gonna make you smile there's a couple frustrating levels that are gonna make you throw your controller at the wall real hard but that's just how games are sometimes you know they're not always perfectly balanced the game just came out they'll have updates there'll be lots of tweaks in the future. But right now, in this sandbox, me and my friends are pretty much having a a good old time. We're having a a really good time.
0: I I still want to get out and, and check this out via Twitch. So I'm going to circle back on Alice and see if she's found somebody she can recommend. Before we jump into stories here, this week's news is brought to you by Storybook Destination, trusted travel partners, of Marvelous Disney. For a worry-free travel experience, book online with storybookdestinations.com. Switching back to Labor Day, though, that among the other folks who are out there laboring, in addition to Aaron, with uh, the team uh, who are building the Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind attraction at Epcot. For months now, we've seen the track going in and the genuinely enormous show building that this indoor coaster is housed in going up. You've seen the concept art, right, with the full-sized Nova Core spaceship parked outside of the building? Sure, yeah. They are just now building the support rig. So supposedly uh, we will see the ship installed uh, sometime in the next month. What I'm hearing is still a a 2021 opening. Was spring? Now looking like fall. Out ahead of the show, chatting with a friend at Imagineering and getting an update about all manner of things. For example, the Avengers Campus in Anaheim, it's looking now like Disneyland will, in fact, be able to open in October. People have been very heartened to see that folks who go to downtown Disney, as they wander up to the parks, they can actually see folks in the parks working, putting up plexi, so you know, a lot of the stuff that needs to be in place for the opening is there. And they're hoping... The campus will open. will be ready. You know, in fact, that they're hoping that will be the big draw to get all of the Southern California locals to, to come out to Disneyland. And by the way, I learned something interesting today. I, I don't need to tell you that S.H.I.E.L.D. is an acronym. These days it stands for Strategic Homeland Intervention Enforcement and Logistics Division. What I learned today, though, was that the original version, uh, when it was launched uh, or revealed in a a Nick Fury story back in August of 65, uh, stood for Supreme Headquarters International Espionage Law Enforcement Division, and as the story goes, Stan basically stole the concept from the man from uncle, (laughs) which debuted on NBC in September of 64, you know, but, but uh,
1: now we have discussed the reality of the situation that Stan Mm -hmm. legend that he was, Mm -hmm. did Nick an idea or two. Like we understand Thor Mm -hmm. was not an invention of Stan's. Mm -hmm. That was something that he lifted like a pickpocket. Because uh, you can do that. It's just the same way that Disney used, you know, old fairy tales.
0: Oh, no As, doubt. as no their doubt. fodder. And
1: so, I mean, you know, it's it's okay that, that Stan uses the man from Uncle from Inspiration. I just want to know when we're getting sword. Because they, they were supposed to have hinted at it at the end of that last S.H.I.E.L.D. episode. And then cut it out. I don't know if you ever had seen that story. But... I guess it was like in the last last scenes of Shield when after they have their meeting in the Hollow Bar uh Daisy ends up on the bridge of the oh Zephyr. God,
0: that's right. That's looking right. out
1: into space and there was supposed to be some mention of Sword mm-hmm. and then Marvel had them yank that mm-hmm. from the episode and it was not mentioned. So now I'm wondering does that mean that Marvel has intent on using Sword in the future? And will the acronym be <laughs> reworked and retooled, or uh,
0: how far are they going to go with it? I don't know, I, but yeah, so. They did the same thing with, with Modoc, right? They teased that that was going to come, and then had second thoughts. Uh, oh, by the way, to be entirely fair to, to Stan here, um, I, the people who made Man From U.N.C.L.E. <laughs> You know, stole that from uh, you know, the folks who were making the James Bond movies with Spectre. This is a third level theft at this point. So you know, yeah. the, the, you know,
1: if you've stolen from me, you've stolen it twice from somebody else.
0: There we go. So now, speaking of 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 acronyms, I I bring up the whole Shield thing because just today I learned that the Imagineers decided, well, Campus, we just can't say Campus. It's got to stand for something. So it turns out that campus, at least in Anaheim, stands for Centralized Assembly Mobilized to Prepare, Unite, and Safeguard. Wait a minute. This is a building? Oh, well, no, the entire land. How is a land mobile?
1: <laughs> well, is this like a mass unit where you have to fold tents and scurry on over to the
0: next quadrant before the shelling begins again? I'm kind of hoping we're actually going in the other direction that that maybe. Holy crap.
1: I just realized we've got a Hawkeye character. This is mash. <laughs> Wait a minute. Is clinger and drag somewhere oh. running across the field here?
0: <laughs> wow. Wow. Where's radar? Okay. Where's radar? We are really working in the old television references here. <laughs> well, you know, you can bear it with the needle the other way. Maybe the entire land is actually a helicarrier and that, you know, when it, when it's time, you know, we'll just, fly it to paris if they can find a way to craft a
1: helicarrier, Mm -hmm. i will be gobsmacked because i mean i've been on a battleship Mm -hmm. and that's pretty big that's a big big boat aircraft carriers downright huge that's a small city Mm -hmm. they built floating mountains for crying out loud for their little avatar world i would like to see a hull or a mock-up, or at least, you know, the the front side of a helicarrier. The back side could be all scaffolding for all I care, but I want the front side to go, holy cow, look at that helicarrier. That would be cool if they were able to build one of those in a, one
0: of their lands in the future. Well, now remember, on the last show we actually talked about the Quinjet that just got winched into place with a giant crane on the rooftop in in, in the Avengers uh, Anaheim campus, and that thing that they winch into the quinjet, they winch into the, the the top of the rooftop. That was the icon for the e-ticket, the big ride for the Anaheim Avengers campus, which the original premise of this Aaron, the guests were supposed to team up with the Black Panther and other Avengers as they traveled to Wakanda, and then you literally help Earth's mightiest hero- heroes do battle with some alien uh, invaders. Uh, In fact, uh, there's a great piece of concept art out there, folks. If you hammer on Disneyland, Avengers, e-ticket, the concept that the Imagineers went with here was they wanted to give guests to be able to feel like they were being inserted into the original Avengers film from 2012. But given that Black Panther was the top earner of the series and and people had a fascination with Wakanda, the idea was, okay, so let's have some sort of battle royale happening in the capital city of Wakanda. You're supposedly flying there as a guest of the the Black Panther to, to visit Wakanda, and he finds out en route that this invasion has happened. The Black Panther sort of turns around in the cockpit and deputizes you. And what you discover is that every, you know, you're riding in, uh, you know, like a a Star Tours-like simulator. But what you discover is that every seat in the simulator is a flying battle chair that's on an armature. And that when you land in Wakanda, the back door of the jet opens and the armature clicks on. And you are now flying independently through this environment. But you're surrounded by... Well, the concept art shows Captain America, Iron Man, Thor, Hulk, Captain Marvel, Ant-Man and the Wasp, and Spidey out in the middle of the, this battle and that Battle of New York feel where it, you know the, the battle's happening all around you, but you're doing things like helping Cap get back his shield, and, you know, I mean, it's just... Jim, it, this sounds a lot like it would have to be uh, almost like
1: a Rise of the Resistance sort of gag where you're moved into a huge warehouse-type
0: thing and a whole bunch of rooms, because I can't see that being outside at all. That's No, right? no, you are dead on. This is another giant, ginormous show building, and you ride through the space, and it's a mix of practical props and projection and, and all of this. Yeah, I mean, if, if you want it to look like it's,
1: it's outside or in a city, then, I mean, you have to have super high ceilings and super wide walls. So no matter what you're projecting, at least you've got, you know, it, it, you gotta be able to put your hands out left and right without feeling like you're gonna hit a wall, right? It's gotta be super wide open. So it's, it it would just have to be a a ginormous space. Are they gonna bury it? Are they gonna build a mountain over it? How are they gonna hide that?
0: In much the same way as Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind is a giant Uh show building that they use greens, they use blues. I mean, it's, it's hiding in plain sight now, but it is this mother's structure. The way this was positioned, or you know, the sort of feeder lane in from the Quinjet experience to the giant show building, a lot of the enormous show building would actually be back of house. And I want to say, if you're traveling along Catella, the road between the Disneyland Resort and the Anaheim Convention Center, there will be a building there that will blot out the sun. Or there would be, but again, the problem was in much the same way that the Web Slingers, and by the way, as long as we're talking about acronyms, it turns out that the Web and Web Slingers also stands for something. Uh, that's Worldwide Engineering Brigade. Yeah, with, with Peter in his science neck, I would expect nothing less. That's fine. But again, the, the idea is that when this attraction opens up, it's Tom Holland. He's playing Peter Parker in, in this attraction, and so... The plan was that Chadwick Bozeman was also going to be front and center in a lot of the ride film films, a lot of the pre show videos. And right now, nobody at WDI at this point knows how to salvage this attraction. As part of this conversation with Friend Imagineering, I got confirmed that Kevin Feige was legitimately out of the loop. The story that's going around Disney right now is Chadwick's family reached out an hour before he died to let Feige know that he was having health problems. And poor Kevin was in a meeting and didn't get the message until an hour after Chadwick had passed. And, you know, so he was blindsided. My understanding that his agent knew, but his agent over four years had seen Chadwick undergo operations and treatment and then put on the weight and build up the muscle and go on and do film work. And so you know, everybody was keeping the secret because it had worked up until that point. But right now, the way my, f- my friend imaginary explained it, this is kind of what happened when Kerry Fisher uh, died in December of 2016. You know, everyone was blindsided. Out of respect to the to friends and family, nobody's talking about recasting roles right That Nobody's talking about rewriting scripts. I mean, hell, the memorial service was only held yesterday in Malibu. The only decision that has supposedly happened so far is that Black Panther 2, which was supposed to be, uh, begin filming next year and then be out in theaters in, in May of 2022, has been tabled. Not canceled, just tabled. And 2022 already was going to be a crazy year for Marvel. I mean, we had uh, Thor Love and Thunder coming out in February. In March was Doctor Strange. I mean, and there's there's only five weeks separating uh, Love and Thunder between Multiverse of Madness. And then then in theory in May was supposed to be Black Panther 2. And then in July uh, was Captain Marvel 2. Supposedly, Ant Man three, which was, is supposed to begin shooting in June of next year, again everything's slippy, slidey because of coronavirus. Anyway, but the thinking was that maybe that'll go out in the fall of of two thousand twenty two, or maybe this will be our our first film for uh, two thousand twenty three. It looks like that one may not be slipped into Black Panther's old release slot. So you know the the May two thousand twenty two. It seems almost like they're hanging on to that Spider-Man three for dear life.
1: Like they don't want to let that go too early. Cause that leads them back to renegotiating with
0: Sony for another round. Speaking of which, did you see the news about the Amazon deal? Remember how, how upset you were when the Hulu thing went down and you lost Daredevil and you lost
1: Jessica no, that Jones?
0: Net, that was Netflix, not Netflix. Hulu. Netflix, okay. And all of those really well done shows that linked up for that that wonderful. So who's canceling what for me now? Well, no, it's actually Amazon is negotiating with Sony for its own interconnected set of, of shows. And supposedly the first out of the gate will be a series based on Silk. Wait a minute. That's like subletting your apartment. Can they do that? (laughs) Do they have the right to do that? Amazon evidently is very, very excited about the idea because Sony has, and you mentioned it, you know, the, the whole Spider Man 3 thing. They have the rights through Peter Parker and, you know, his Rogue's Gallery and all the supporting characters. There's supposedly, I guess somebody actually worked it out. There's, there's upwards of 300 different characters that are at least tangential to the, the Spideyverse.
1: Yeah, he's got a wicked long rogues gallery, man. It's uh, a full of even stilt man and uh, the spot I believe is one. Which is, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's, there's some real winners in there. I just wonder if Their idea is to uh, it's like, hey, we can't find We don't have an infinite pool of money. Mm -hmm. We've just got an Olympic sized pool of money. So we'll put half of our pool of money and we'll make some some because they're paying half of the Spider-Man filming. Right. And Mm -hmm. Disney was footing the other half of the bill. So they'll do that. And then they'll make things like Venom 2 and Morbius. Mm -hmm. And then they'll ask Amazon for a pile of money because they're just dropping a billion dollars for Lord of the Rings material. Mm. So they're flush with diamonds and gold. So they'll go get some of their money so that Amazon can, because they need content too, Amazon's gonna make some stuff and build a universe over in their corner. And then Sony now has the ability to dip their toes in all of the universes that they're tangentially connected to. You've got Spider-Man, Directly in the MCU, we've got Venom, wink, wink, connected to Spider-Man. And then Venom can be connected to Silk or something like that over at Amazon. Then you can link it
0: to there. And Sony has got the best of all the worlds. Supposedly Amazon, especially on the heels of the success of The Mandalorian, was like, oof. That's interesting. And what happens if these Marvel limited series are just as good and develop as passionate a following? We we need a response. We need, you know, a similar show. And that so supposedly Silk is sort of dipping the toe in the, the Marvel limited series. It, the weird thing of it is, is you have Amy Pascal, you know, the former head of Sony, who when she walked out the door took a lot of these Spider-Man rights with her. And Mm -hmm. she's basically working off of the Kevin Feige playbook, you know, creating this interconnected. A lot of people are right now. And I don't, I I
1: think that may be problematic is Mm -hmm. they all look at Marvel and go, we need a universe, something that mixes and matches and crosses over. And half the time they don't have enough story to support one show, Mm -hmm. but they're focused on trying to make nine. And it's just so bass-ackwards that, you know, the the one group that I'm happy about, DC. Because they're not doing that game anymore. They're off in Elseworld. We've got a new Batman. We've got a new Joker. They're never going to meet. It's going to drive you mad. But hey, it's Elseworld, and they don't have to do the... And the even weirder thing is, they're going to end up Letting everything be sporadic and different, and often these little dark corners of their different universes. And then they're going to make a flash movie that like that unites all of it and now we're going to have this argument between marvel and dc whose multiverse came first well technically dc's came first but you knew that marvel had it planned the whole time right Mm -hmm. and that's just the stupidest argument to have so i'm happy that dc's doing something different everyone's looking at marvel as the blueprint and they're all wrong marvel's doing their own thing and it should be their own thing.
0: And, and remember that the guy who's driving the bus at Marvel is, is Kevin Feige. And we'll tell you what, folks, we're going to take a break here when we get back. We'll talk about the, the Feige difference. Mark Ruffalo tells this amazing story. He's on the set of the original Avengers and runs into Kevin at the craft services table, and Kevin says, oh, by the way, if I'm not here tomorrow, I, I got fired. And Ruffalo's like, what? I got a meeting with Ike Perlmutter, and, uh, the, the gentleman who you know, owns all of Marvel, and he cast a sign off on you know, where we're headed next with the films. And he doesn't believe that there's an audience out there for a, a female superhero movie. And I really want to do a Captain Marvel movie. So I'm going to go plead my case. And hopefully we'll get this done. That was a tough meeting. Kevin and Ike were at cross purposes for quite some time. Because Ike was not a fan of the Black Panther project. Was very vocal about, you know, he did not believe there was an audience out there. The same thing with Captain Marvel. Kevin's going to do this pitch while they're still shooting the Avengers. And, you know, Avengers has not come out and become this enormous success, you know. And again, the whole plan was we're going to uh, u-
1: yeah.
0: unify, the, you know. So there was no proof, you know, that that hey, look at this huge pile of money. I was right. right.
1: Delt is still on the horizon like a thunderstorm ready to ravage the land, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. And so Disney actually had to step in and basically promote Kevin up and out of Marvel. So he, you know, the studio became sort of its separate entity. And Ike was not happy about, still is not happy about that. But because Captain Marvel was such a success. Oh, by the way, that this is a great story that Bree Larson tells about she's actually on the set of Skull Island, the King Kong movie she was making with Samuel Jackson and got a call from her rep to the effect of Marvel would really like to talk to you about coming in to, to talk to do the the Captain Marvel movie. And and she's like, I'm in the middle of this. Thank them, but no. And after they finished the film, Marvel made another run at her. Same thing. It's like, I, I got to do press. I got to do publicity. And that's I can't see myself in a superhero movie. And finally... There was a third phone call, and finally her reps admitted to her that they hadn't actually ever said no. You know, it was just sort of like, look, we know you were busy doing the Kong movie and doing the publicity, but so please, God, take this meeting. And, you know, that they brought her in, they showed her the costume, they showed her, you know, what they wanted to do for the film. And she was sold on the idea that the fact that, you know, look, this is Captain Marvel. She's the most powerful being in the entire Marvel universe. And because of that with th- that character it did become somewhat problematic when it came time to bring Captain Marvel on the canvas for Infinity War and Endgame. Remember, you didn't see Captain Marvel till what? Until the script needed her to show up. That's exactly, <laughs> that's exactly when you need her. Yeah. yeah. And, and and in fact what's interesting is that, you know, evidently there you know, we've talked previously about the work that's being done and on Captain Marvel 2, and Feige, you know, it's like, says, look, don't worry about it, we've actually built into the character. There are there are Achilles heels. There are trap doors. Yes, she's the most powerful being in the universe. But no, the-
1: no, no, no. Stop, Jim, stop. This no. is, okay, Superman 2. What's he do? He goes into a chamber, throws away his powers, so he can be with Lois Slain. Then he's not Superman for half of Superman 2. Spider-Man 2. What happens to Peter? He doesn't believe in himself. He loses his powers. He can't do it. Mar- Captain Marvel 2. What's she going to do? She's going to have an Achilles heel. She's not going to have her power. And we're going to go through that trap again. No, no. No, I I absolutely refuse. Kevin, call me. Call me on the phone now. I need to talk you off this ledge. Bad decision. Well, okay. Overused Um, trope. Find a different angle. You can do it.
0: Now, interesting you you talk about overused trope because we have The Eternals coming out in February of next year. Going to be the first uh, superhero movie with legitimate LGBTQ representation and we're not talking about the kiss in the rise of skywalker this is actual couple they you know, actually it, hold hands through scenes and talk about what
1: they want to have for dinner and becker about it for about 20 minutes like a real couple should
0: but again and and this is at kevin's insistence he, he was sure talking you know, he's like, in this film, an LGBTQ relationship has always been inherent to the story and, and the makeup of the different types of the Eternals. And he talked about, you know, he's seen the work in progress, extremely well done. And I look forward to this level of inclusion in our future films. And that it's a, just that it's a, it's less of a topic. It just exists without needing comment. And to pivot to Shang-Chi, Michelle Yao was talking about when they reached out and, you know, offered the opportunity to be in this film. And it's like, you know, when the the film was announced and they introduced who was going to be the next Marvel superhero, she was like, yes, finally, we get represented. So, I mean, she was thrilled. And, And Kevin, having seen what happened with Black Panther and that an entire different audience showed up because there was finally a superhero that looked like them. That's the same thing with with Shang-Chi, that just looking to step forward like that. This is a guy who's trying to, 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 to make good movies that sell a lot of tickets, make a lot of money, but in there, throw in some diversity, so be inclusive. Because again, not everybody in the audience has seen themselves up there on screen before. That was
1: the cool thing, honestly, about the lead to the Avengers game playing through mm-hmm. Kamala Khan mm-hmm. was, you know, she was Middle Eastern and then uh, like a Muslim background and her father mm-hmm. had a very thick accent mm-hmm. and it was like, wow, it doesn't sound fake. Mm-hmm. It doesn't sound like a poo. Mm-hmm. And that was noticeable. It, you know, there's there's a, a difference between someone who is mimicking hmm. and trying to sound like a thing. And then there's a difference between a person who is actually that and the people that they hired to play these characters were people of, you know, like a, a Middle Eastern background. And they native their, their native accents lent authenticity to that character. And it was a treat to be able to play a little brown 16 year old girl for a change in a video game because seriously, Jim, it's always brooding muscle meathead with gun. Mm-hmm. And you can only take that for so many years. I mean, I haven't played a shooter in, in a very, very long time because it's simply meathead with gun. Mm-hmm. And that is just really not entertainment for me anymore. And to be able to play a character that was unique and authentic was a joy so yeah in that sense I, I totally agree that there should be representation because we need to be able to see into other people's cultures so we can understand and and witness you know their their
0: ups and their downs that are the same as ours well it's so interesting you say this because if we now double back to silk and again that deal that sony pictures television is developing with amazon silk it's you know one of the first comic book series that was led by an Asian American character. And I also, she's a Korean American. So mm. when you you take that into consideration and you given the you know, the diversity issue, the inclusiveness we were just talking about, you got to at least give Amy Pascal points for the fact that she goes over those three hundred characters, you know, in the Spidey verse. And settles on Silk as that this is how we go into television. This is the character that we put in the front window and we build out from there. I mean, that's a pretty ballsy roll of the dice, don't you think?
1: Well, no, I think it's a chess game. Mm -hmm. She's looking at markets. She's looking at an audience. And when you look at those things in brutal black and white numbers, Mm -hmm. You make decisions based on how the numbers lead you. And usually for the entertainment market, like for Marvel, isn't Asia generally like one of them things where they go, boy, it sure would be nice to do well over there. Right?
0: Isn't that usually a a hope of theirs? Yeah, that they take an entire (laughs) movie that just debuted on Disney plus is premium. That was so carefully sculpted because, Oh my God, we're going to open this in in Asia and do giant business and COVID tripped that up. Yeah. So the idea of, we want to do well
1: in Asia, it's a large market, just teeming with people, very large population. So We just want eyeballs. They have eyeballs. We'll gladly charge them a ticket to rent their eyeballs for a couple hours. And so if you have, you know, an Asian character, especially an underrepresented one like Koreans, we don't have a whole lot of uh, Koreans as our main uh, protagonists in TV shows. So to all of a sudden shine a light on an area that's been underrepresented, boom, you've got an instant audience of those people who've never been represented before, and then you have all of their immediate neighbors who are like, Hey, look at that. They're getting representation. Amazing. Let's watch and uh, boom, you now have Asian market and that's a numbers leading you down a path where you haven't even made a creative decision yet. Interesting. I haven't talked about story. I haven't talked about anything. All I have found is a group of people who have been underserved that will buy a ticket. And now we have a conversation of who's in the pile of characters that fits that demographic and boom, we land on silk. And now we have to go through all the back issues and find out what's the story that makes this character still alive today in the universe there's got to be a couple classic stories what are those stories and why do people love them now how do we, we readapt that to play off the expectation by the way talk about expectations i saw a photograph on twitter that made me laugh maniacally for days and it was a green goblin toy in the toy <laughs> aisle on the top shelf and a gwen stacy toy laying on the floor directly underneath the green goblin and if you know how gwen stacy died it was because the green goblin threw her to her death so uh that was and so someone said every time i go through the toy aisle if there's a green goblin and a gwen stacy i put this on the top and that on the
0: floor and i walk away and i
1: laughed oh boy did i laugh
0: (laughs) speaking of making weird connections here there's a right now Netflix is running uh, their first original Korean series, uh, Kingdom. It's a a zombies series. And I bring that up because the very first issue of the the Robert Kirkman Marvel Zombies just came out. Mm -hmm. And and again, Robert Kirkman is the gentleman behind The Walking Dead. So if you're going to do a Marvel zombie, this is the guy you want. And... I am very hesitant to go out and get this comic book because it's, it, the the first one evidently is Magneto. And again, and we're, we're in somewhere off in the multiverse, the what, the 616. Uh, yeah, we're, we're the 616. So if it's, okay. if it's
1: in the multiverse, it's not here.
0: Okay. Well, anyway, that, that evidently it's, it's, it's poor Magneto against everybody else, you know, the, the surviving superhero. And, Tell you what, maybe we'll hold that one as we, we get closer to Halloween. We'll, we'll talk a little bit more in depth about the Marvel zombie. Oh, but w- While you're talking
1: about horror-themed Marvel, I've got to give a shout-out to uh, Agent Elvis on Twitter. Mm-hmm. He uh, had sent me a tweet and said, Have you heard of Unknown Origins on Netflix? To which I replied, Nope. Hmm. And then uh, he said, It's like seven meets marvel comics and i'm like well you had me at seven but you threw it over the top with plus marvel comics and i watched it and that was a very apt description if you like the movie seven and then all of a sudden it throws in a marvel comics twist by the way it's a spanish film Mm -hmm. so you're either gonna have to watch it subbed or dubbed Mm -hmm. your choice but uh either way it's it was dark Uh, Like seven, but it was still funny and upbeat, like not really a comedy, but it, you know, it was one of those movies that had more than one genre going for it. It wasn't allowed to have its ups and downs with its lightheartedness and its graphic horror. And uh, no, it was, it was a good time. It wasn't, you know, something that's going to change how you look at cinema for the rest of your life, but it was a good hour and a half spent on the couch watching something that was allowed to to have fun with itself. And uh, yeah, so I dug it.
0: Okay, I will have to check that out, especially as we head into October and, and you know, wander the horror side. And speaking of the horror side, I to just do a quick update on the New Mutants. Obviously, this past weekend was when Christopher Nolan's Tenant came out. And last weekend, number one at the box office, you know, to be number one, you only had to do $6 million in the entire United States. Tenant did $20 million. So, and now, mind you, New Mutants came in number two, did 2.9. So, obviously, people who couldn't get into the tenant in the socially distant theaters went (laughs) and saw New Mutant. Just a quick box office update here it's done 12 uh, domestic, 8 million, 8 million overseas. So, We're 20 million and change worldwide right now, so. I really wonder
1: if the theaters in more populated areas were to open up sometime in the nearish future, would New Mutants see a spike in numbers actually go up? I mean, we're all used to how the the box office works. It's, you know, your first four days, and after that, it's half or whatever. Because these are not normal days, Mm -hmm. if, say, New York just goes, oh, we got a vaccine and everyone's cured and we don't have to worry about anything tomorrow, Mm -hmm. would everybody run out and go to the theater because they can? And then, like you said, new tenants packed. And mm-hmm. so you've got seven kids left over. <laughs> they go, oh, oh what do go see now? Uh, New Mutants over in the next theater. Let's go watch that. And, you know, would, would they suddenly go up dramatically and maybe get a uh, tenant would get 60 million and New Mutants goes up to 20 million? Wouldn't that be crazy? That would be crazy.
0: Well, I, I, again, the next couple of months, it's just going to get, it, and again, it's so weird because, it, it, in fact, the New York Times just today did a story about how, you know, you can go to the gym. There are so many things you can do in New York City right now, but you can't go to the movies. And yeah. conversely, out in LA, you know, there were people that, they, I forget where, where I saw the story, but the guy wrote about how he drove four hours, basically, they had to drive to Vegas so he could see tenants. So Mm -hmm. we'll try to stay on top of it and try to keep reporting on it, folks. Speaking of which, though, if you've enjoyed Garen and I chatting about uh, all these topics, if you get over to Bandcamp and subscribe, that would be helpful. And and while you're waiting for us to do another show, we have a bunch of other podcasts here at the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network. We've got Disney Dish with Len Testa. We've got Looking at Lucasfilm with Dan Z. We've got fine tuning uh, with Drew Taylor. We just recorded a brand new uh, Universal Joint with Justin Fuse, and I will be recording a new I Want That with Shelly Vallado lead in the coming week. So uh, lots of stuff to listen to here, folks. And uh, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram as Jim Hill Media, over on Facebook at Jim Hill Media News. Thank you for listening, and we'll catch you next week on a fresh Marvelous Disney.